War dialing, stated simply, is a technique to automatically scan a list of telephone numbers. This was made famous in the film War Games when David Lightman tries to connect to a server in Sunnyvale, California. Yeah, for Sunnyvale, California, the number for Protovision. And could you also tell me what other prefixes cover that area? The script enumerates every possible phone number in a local area, and then every possible prefix. The script would then dial every possible number. What it might find on the other end is people, fax machines. What was most interesting, of course, were the computer connections. Perhaps there was a bulletin board behind it, or perhaps there was a corporate network. War dialing evolved in the early 2000s into war driving, in which hackers would drive around to expose all the unprotected Wi-Fi hotspots, say, in a city. But what if you took it to the next level? What if you war dialed the entire internet? That's over 3.7 billion connections you'd have to make. And that's just in the IPv4 space. And that's just for one port. There are over 3,500 ports on each connection. That's a lot of scanning. But what might you learn? As crazy as it seems, there are legitimate reasons for scanning the IPv4 space and for diving deeper into each of the connections. In a moment, I'll introduce you to someone who built a scanner, the challenges he faced operating it, and the good data that he's now providing others. Welcome to The Hacker Mind, an original podcast from For All Secure. It's about challenging our expectations about the people who hack for a living. I'm Robert Famosi, and in this episode, I'm discussing the need to look for accurate data in malware and how scanning the internet for compromised systems isn't as far-fetched as it might seem. And it might just be how we do anti-malware research going forward. In another episode, I talked about Heartbleed, a critical flaw in OpenSSL that could expose sensitive information. When it was first disclosed, researcher Robert Graham wanted to see how many vulnerable OpenSSL instances there were on the internet at the time. And there was a lot. It was about 600,000. But to find that information back in 2014, he had to scan the internet, the entire internet. And that was a very noisy process. He racked up a fair number of complaints, but it showed that scanning the entire internet was possible. At this year's Sector, I spoke with someone who built a scanner that's designed to repeatedly scan. He works for ESET, an antivirus company, and he's been scanning for malware families on the internet. My name is Marc Etienne. I'm a malware researcher at ESET for almost 10 years now. Marc Etienne's job at ESET is to learn as much as he can about specific malware families, such as those containing Trojans, botnets, ransomware. Well, you get the idea. Part of our job at, at ESET is performing in-depth research on specific malware family. We can spend weeks or even months uh, on a single malware family to fully understand it. So what we do is reverse engineer malware samples. We try to understand as much as possible as uh, about the network protocol and the malicious activity that this particular malware does. In many cases, that means obtaining the sample malware and deconstructing it to learn what it has been programmed to do. Looking at samples is not enough sometimes if we want to get uh, more information about what the intent of the attackers are and uh, also um, the, uh, how uh, prevalent this, this malware family is 
on the internet. We do have some telemetry on detections that, that are triggered by our product. Sometimes it's just not enough. And it's also biased by our users, right? So we don't have a full census of the whole internet about who is targeted by this particular attack. So by performing internet-wide scan, we get like a really wider picture. And also uh, our telemetry is quite limited to the Windows ecosystem because uh, of our user base, basically. So we have far less users for Mac and, and Linux than, uh, we, than what we, we have on Windows. Most antivirus products are found on Windows, much less so on Mac and Linux. So analysis of prevalence of malware typically represents only what's being seen on Windows boxes. In other words, it's not always representative of the entire Internet. So he set out to build a customized Internet scanner. I've been researching Mac and Linux malware for the past uh, few years, and I needed something else to get get the information about the uh, who who uh, targets are and you know how prevalent the malware is. Uh, one of the problem with using this technique is that this particular malware you must be able to reach out to the malware, uh, while most of the malware are actually active and try to reach out to a CNC server, command and control server. Malware that typically gets deposited on your computer from, say, a phishing attack or a malicious website is sometimes just a shell. Some of them have functionality, a lot of them do not, and so they reach out to a CNC server to tell them what to do next. In a recent show, I talked to two researchers who were looking to identify active command and control or CRC servers. In those cases, the malware is reaching out. What Marketian is looking for is different. In this case, the malware needs to be listening for his ping. So this whole scanning is irrelevant if, you know, it's not listening to a particular port or, you know, it's, it's not waiting, passively waiting for, for command. So it's very specific to passive malware. The war dialing example at the beginning, hanging up when the other end answers, would be more like a surface scan or a port scan, where you just check to see if the port is open. When Mark Etienne performs his scans, he waits and listens to see what's on the other side. Is it a person? Is it a fax machine? Or is it a dial-up internet service provider? Or, in this case, is it malware? I've been uh, looking a lot at uh, server-side threats, so this applies very well. Uh, because uh, in not all, but you know, a, a lot of server-side threats, there's a, some kind of passive uh, implant waiting for incoming connections. So this, this works very well in those cases. This all seems pretty straightforward, until you realize what it is he's asking for. That's a lot of traffic, and not all internet service providers, ISPs, will put up with that. So it's, it's really the first step in having some internet scanner that's, that's durable and sustainable. And if you still want to scan the internet in, in a year from now, uh, then respect your neighbors and respect all the uh, ISPs involved. Yeah. ISPs are going to notice if you suddenly start scanning the entire internet. They might just shut you down. So what you really need to work with is them and do it in advance and let them know what you're thinking and give them the chance to say no. In this case, at least four ISPs specifically said no until one said yes. We did try a few different ISPs before one of them accepted to use their network for, for scanning. And we have a very good relationship with them. So hopefully this will last as long as, as possible. 
ISPs don't like their users scanning from their network for various good reasons. One way to be good to the community is to have a banner that states what you're doing and how to file an abuse request. We also are very respectful to them as well and respond to all abuse requests that we have. And anyone tries to reach out to either them or us about the scans, then we'll be happy to answer all the questions and also exclude any IP addresses that doesn't want to be scanned for whatever reason. So we, we did have lots of abuse complaints since we started, but not, no one asked for ex- exclusion yet. Turns out that when people heard what Market TN was up to, they were pretty cool with it. Some of them did ask, but when we explained what we were doing, you know, well, you know, we are trying to, to find victims for specific malware families. If you ever get compromised by this malware then, or any other malware that we scan in the future, we'll reach out to you about about it. They, they just say that they're fine with the, with the scan. So that, lots of, com- of uh, abuse complaints, no exclusions so far, which is quite good for everyone, I believe. This is a key difference between just spraying the internet with requests and actually having a research project behind it. Our goal is not to take down any system or you know, try to use the, uh, the different backdoors that are available online. It's just to scan and we do notify the victims whenever we, f- we, find, we find that they're compromised. Really try to be uh, as good as possible. Our goal is really to clean the internet from from these uh, these malware, so. So why would you scan the internet? Well, if you study malware, it makes a lot of sense. In order to get a sense of how prevalent a malware family might be, you need input. ESET makes anti-malware software and it's a customer base is usually Windows users. That means if Mark Etienne wants telemetry from his ESET customers, he's going to be getting a Windows version of the internet. Probably he'll see clusters primarily in North America and Europe. But what about the rest of the world? And what if the malware family he's investigating infects some other OS? That's where scanning the internet for clues makes more sense. And we already have something like this, Shodan, or better yet, census so why not use those one of the reasons we we started scanning the internet is well we used to use shodan and and census before to do scans for us they were very kind and you know they very generous of their their time but in, in some cases we needed something a little bit more precise and we needed to run our own custom scan based on specific malware families Shodan and Census are well-known internet scanners. Shodan is well-known for its search engine ability. It scans the corporate network for a range of devices and then notifies that organization when something unexpected shows up. Census, on the other hand, continually scans the public IPv4 address space on all 3,500-plus ports. This gives us a snapshot of the internet at any given point in time. I have used Census to report on vulnerable OpenSSL implementations for my Heartbleed articles. Mark Etienne, in his work at ESET, needed a more focused and more dedicated scanner for his needs. That's not to say he was perfect in the beginning. And we're quite new compared to others who've been doing doing it for multiple years. I'm talking about Shodan and, and, and Census. Uh, but we do it for a different purpose than, than what they do. So they want to have uh, an idea about the 
like the census and you know like what services are available on, on the internet and we're trying to find very precise things or uh, devices or malware for our cases most of the time but uh, unlike them we don't uh, keep the the result we don't make it in a searchable way we don't have a interface for searching they do it way better than than what we would be able to in general his goals were very different regular you know scans wouldn't cut it because we wanted to to perform like the the first handshake with the the, the malware to be able to confirm or or infirm that uh, a machine was compromised or not um, and running custom scans like that is out of the scope of census and showdown so we decided well you know let's let's do it on our own De- developing our own custom module uh, to to perform the scan allowed us to find victims for very specific malware families so how does one set about scanning the internet we started not from scratch because we use uh, software from the Zenmap project, which was developed at the University of Michigan. Uh, it, it's what powers the uh, census.io project. And um, there's uh, Z, there's actually multiple software that's part of the Zenmap project. But what we use is uh, Zenmap itself and also ZGrab2, uh, which enables us to uh, perform the handshake with the uh, malicious software that's on the that's running on the other end. ZMAP is a very fast open source TCP, UDP, and ICMP scanner. A companion project is ZGrab2, which performs the handshake at the application layer and parses the replies. We do develop our own custom module for ZGrab2 uh, to be able to fingerprint properly the different malware families that we are uh, looking at. Fingerprint. The malware researcher first identifies the unique properties of any malware that they're looking for, such as specific IP addresses for CNC servers or credentials to get them access to those CNC servers, then triggers some behavior. Sometimes it may be multiple conditions to trigger the behavior. And this isn't a one-off activity. This is something he needs to do for his active research. Exactly. So we've done tens of scans already. Uh, for different malware families. Um, so what, uh, one of our colleagues, Susanna, has been doing uh, research on IIS malware. Uh, so it's uh, this Microsoft uh, web server component. In these cases, it was the internet scanner was be very well applied to finding the victims for the different malware family that she found. So in, in some cases, we knew that they were quite widespread. Some In some other cases, were just two, two or three different victims, very targeted, but she's done a survey of more than 10 IS backdoors. And we tried to find victims for almost all of them. Not not all of them we could scan, but for most of them we were able to. Connection then is a matter of sending a GET request and seeing what happens next. Basically try to connect on all the IP addresses on, on, on the internet and, and see if they are infected or not. And this is the new thing, the, the fun thing about the internet scanner <laughs> uh, is that we can do it in, in a few days, uh, do the whole process of identifying uh, which port is, is open and also uh, try to connect to each of the ports and um, identify if it's compromised or not. When you access a website, you and I, we've used the common name, like thehackermind.com. Behind that is a sequence of numbers resolved by your DNS, and that sequence of numbers is the site's IP address. 
Currently, we use IP version 4 addresses, which uses 32-bit address space, or 2 to the 32 power. And so there are about 3.7 billion active addresses. The rest of them are in reserve. That sounds like a lot, but we're about to run out of those addresses. I mean, when you think about all the IoT products, your car, your phone, well, we're burning up more addresses today than we thought we'd be possible back in the early 1980s when the Advanced Research Projects Agency Networks, or DARPAnet, first deployed IPv4. So we're adopting a new schema. Ratified in July of 2017, IPv6 is designed to overcome the problems of IPv4 address exhaustion. It uses much longer addresses. In this case, 128-bit, or 2 to the 128 power, addresses, meaning there are more than 340 trillion 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 IP addresses. That's a very large number. Someone has suggested that it's more than the number of grains of sand on Earth. We won't exhaust that number anytime soon, although, for the moment, relatively few are in use today. So, it would be very, very hard to scan for all the IPv6 addresses. That's correct. We just uh, scanned the IPv4 space. Um, IPv6 has uh, a very large um, address space, which makes it very a lot more difficult to, to scan. Uh, we, we, we've not uh, solved that problem yet on our end. Uh, and uh, they, they, there are things that can be done, but for us, it's, it's uh, out of the scope for now. And uh, scanning the IPv4 internet yields enough results for us for, for now. So how long does it take to scan the IPv4 internet? It depends on the ISP's load, I would say, but uh, it, it takes about two and a half days right now. Wow, that is fast. That's for a single TCP port and performing the, the, the handshake. That's for the complete scan. Fortunately, for his research, not every port needs to be scanned. Most of the time in the, the malware we analyze, they, they just listen to either one port or they reuse some ports that's, that's already open. Uh, for example, for the IIS research I mentioned before, scanning port 80 was uh, sufficient because like most IIS servers will listen on, on, on port 80. I, I think we did uh, 443 as well, just in case it, it was a server running uh, SSL only. There is IS servers running on non-standard port out there, but it, it was in, not significant enough to justify scanning for you know ten or hundred different ports. So, what makes a good candidate for Marketian's research for his scans? How does he identify a family that he wants to reel down and look at more in depth? In, in a more general sense, uh, like what malware family we choose to dig further, not, not necessarily for internet scanning, but there's a complexity of the malware, if it's uh, very complex. Uh, if there's answers we can, well, if there's questions we cannot answer right away, then there's we can justify spending a a little bit of time uh, looking into it. Uh, also, the um, prevalence. So, if it's something that's very prevalent, then perhaps we'll uh, find some time to 
dig it, dig it a little bit further and try to get a, a better picture. But also, uh, when it comes to uh, Mac and Linux, when there's some new family, I would say, well, some uh, family that's not been publicly uh, disclosed, then most of the time we'll spend uh, days to to look into it and see if it's interesting or not. In some cases, uh, it's it's not, but you know, it, it happens from time to time that you know, well, this particular family was is interesting and here's why and we'll we'll spend a few weeks then and, and try to publish something interesting about this this threat we mentioned earlier that most malware is either reaching out for instructions or waiting for something to contact it before acting so we don't have to contact any command and control server in, in some of the cases because then the malware is is uh, passively uh, waiting for uh, incoming connections um so uh, it's possible some malware family has both is active and passive where you know it reach out to a CNC, it reaches out to a CNC server and also waits for incoming connection. Uh, but in, in most cases it's one or the other. So it either reach out to a CNC or wait for someone or something to connect to it and, and, and get commands. And so it's important to understand whether the malware is passive or active. So we are scanning for the, the former, so the the uh, uh, where it waits for some incoming connection, and we try to perform the whatever handshake uh, there is, uh, and we're uh, very careful not to execute any commands on the victim's machine. Uh, so uh, it's really uh, like uh, important that we do not try to uh, clean anything or you know perform anything that maybe may illegal even. So we, we don't use the backdoor, we just try to identify if it's compromised or not. Kobolos is one such family of malware that he researched. In Greek mythology, Kobolos is a small mischievous creature, and it fits in this case. It infects Linux, BSD, Solaris, and others. According to ESET, Kabalos is a generic backdoor in the sense that it contains broad commands that don't necessarily reveal the intent of the attackers. In short, Kabalos grants remote access to a file system, provides the ability to spawn terminal sessions, and allows proxying connections to other Kabalos-infected servers. Kabalos is a multi-platform malware. So we've seen variants for Linux, uh, FreeBSD, and we believe that there's also AIX and uh, Solaris that are uh, targeted, and, and perhaps even Windows, because there are strings in the malware that indicates that th there might be some Windows uh, version of, of Kabados. So the reason we started studying Kabados is because it, it was very uh, stealthy, and, and um, it was just a single function. That the, the obfuscation they used was pretty good, and uh, there was just this... Uh, single function that needed to be reverse engineered, but also very complex because all the actions that it performs, it, it, it just recursively calls itself and uh, it makes the, the analysis quite, quite hard. So Mark Etienne starts by deconstructing what is known about the malware until he can find out what's truly unique about it, what he can effectively scan for. Once we figured the, uh, the network communication protocol, uh, we realized that we uh, were able to produce some kind of fingerprint to do the internet scanning. And that's the, that was the, our first use case for the internet scanner. 
With the scanner up and running, they can now see the prevalence and also who the victims might be. We, we knew that it was pretty well done, pretty advanced, but we had no idea about who the victims were. We were able to scan one of the variant, and we found out that education sector was pretty overly represented in the victims. When you think about it, it's not too surprising that education is so high up there. Higher education, such as universities, typically have high-performance servers for their research facilities and for the general university system. So there were um, high-performance computer clusters that were uh, compromised by, by Cavadas. Uh, and uh, actually multiple of them in, in Europe. Um, so the, uh, after we, we realized that, we also knew that the, uh, uh, on most uh, servers that were compromised with Kavados, there was also some uh, SSH credential stealer. Uh, so we believe that they were able to compromise high-performance computing clusters because they used credentials that, that were stolen from one of them to connect to the, to, to the others. SSH, or Secure Shell, is a cryptographic network protocol for operating network services securely over an unsecured network. It allows servers to talk securely to each other. Uh, but we also found out that they were not the only one targeted. Uh, there were some other uh, organization in, in the U.S. and also one very large ISP in, in Asia. So we knew that they, they were really like a very large system, you know, the, not the, the regular servers that you, you end up with, but we still to this day don't know exactly what their intent was uh, because the, the malware itself has very generic commands. So we can read, write files on the file system and just execute arbitrary commands. Uh, that's provided by the, the operator. So we, we're still unsure about the whole, uh, who's behind this whole operation. Uh, but we tr try to track them and find exactly what, what they're after. But European education systems were not the only victims of Kabbalos. They soon found that one of the victims in the United States was kind of curious. So in the United States, there was a few personal servers uh, and also... Um, uh, uh, endpoint security vendor actually doing security and we reached out to them about the, the, the compromise and I know that they clean everything up but they, we didn't get any much information about it like uh, how they, they used it I, I don't know how they investigated on, on their end it was uh, quite surprising this, is, this was a business doing security <laughs> and their main website and back in server were compromised I'm wondering, could this be used for espionage? It's it's possible that they were trying to do espionage, um, but also the the available resources on those machines were quite cons considerable. So um, uh, perhaps a Bitcoin mining, well, cryptocurrency mining was in their mind. Uh, but as far as I know, the, none of this was performed. You know, it's, it's, it would have been very uh, noisy. You know, it would have been very easy to find, and they were compromised for a very long time. And uh, such activity was never noticed on the the compromised systems. So it's uh, very. It's still, like I said, it's still a a mystery, and uh, couldn't find exactly what they were after. 
So when you're scanning the internet, you're looking at a particular port that the malware has identified, and you're scanning for that. You're using any sort of credentials, any sort of defaults that can start a handshake. So in the case of uh, Cabalus, there was uh, a password that was required to authenticate. So fortunately, we were able to uh, fingerprint it before the authentication. So when associating with the server, there are a couple of steps. One can be thought of as knocking at the door, and then somebody answers. And then that's where Marketien's team stops. They don't necessarily complete the process of gaining access. They just want to see who's on the other side of the door. Uh, and as a general rule, we never try to authenticate to any servers. We don't. Our purpose is not to find devices with default password on or try to gain access to system that we're not authorized to authenticate to. Uh, so we would never try to uh, send credential uh, unless it's something like very hard-coded in, in the malware itself. Uh, then for us, it, it wouldn't be uh, something unknown because it was given in the, in the malware, right? Uh, but the... Um, uh, yeah, so we, we don't try to authenticate with uh, default passwords, uh, but in the case we have the, the, the password that's given to us in the malware samples themselves, then uh, we, 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 we could use them if necessary. The point of the scanning, after all, is to identify how pervasive a given malware is. And sometimes that means finding malware on systems where the victims weren't even aware they had been compromised. Uh, so uh, we didn't find anything on the port itself, but we were able to reach out to some of the victims and ask for additional uh, details or, uh, well, you know, here's what we know. Uh, we come to us and, and say, hey, you're victim for this malware. Here's what we know. Uh, and perhaps you can look for this or that and, and give us the results. Uh, in some cases, people are really happy that we reach out to them and also very happy to uh, give us additional information about the, the, the incident. Um, and we're very grateful and it really makes us progress in our research because uh, we, can, we know that uh, the, this malware is used to either uh, drop additional malware or in, like, install additional malware or um, work, works with some other malware that, that's either new to us that we, that we knew before but couldn't find the uh, how it was uh, installed um, so the, this is uh, really uh, uh, when whenever we receive additional information about the incidents uh, it's always like a win-win situation where you know we we can progress and help further victims because now if this victim has this additional malware then i can go to all the others and say hey uh you know one of the victims found this uh, additional malware perhaps you can look at your I don't know, SSH client, for example, or any other software that's installed. Not only does scanning serve to expose the existence of new malware, but it can, if we switch to a more active mode, help fill in the infrastructure of new and existing malware families. So this is different. Uh, this, this is not about finding victims for a malware family, but finding infrastructure used by some malware family. It's funny how the criminal hackers seek to replicate legitimate software development. A lot of malware operators uh, do scripts and, you know, use DevOps principle and, and try to deploy servers as 
easily as possible. This means that in most cases, there's something that very specific or um, that repeats itself for all of their infrastructure. So in, in, in some cases, it's, it's possible to produce a fingerprint uh, for those CNC servers and, and scanning the whole internet and try to find what other servers belongs to this threat actor. So we, we, we did that before for uh, Lazarus, for example. Lazarus is a criminal hacking group that has been traced back to North Korea. It is thought to have been behind the Sony Pictures data breach and the theft of money from the Central Bank of Bangladesh, and even WannaCry ransomware attack in 2017. Attribution such as this is possible because of fingerprints in the malware code and in the infrastructure found on the Internet. The idea is that uh, if they use some SSL certificate that that's the same for all their, their servers, or if they, they use some non-standard port for the CNC server part or any other reason, then it's it's possible to uh, to find them over all the, the internet. This uh, happened to be quite useful uh, in the past. Again, this is where you are posing as the malware, reaching out with your scan to wake up any CNC servers that might be connected with that malware or the malware family. In some cases, the um, they use multiple um, um, ISPs. I'm not a malware operator myself. <laughs> I'm not, I don't I like. Uh, I can imagine the, the the reasons, but I know that some malware operators uh, prefer to have a server that's closer to their targets. So if they do targeted attacks, for example, in Germany, then they would try to find some server in Germany for this particular cluster of victim. Or a lot of uh, ISPs you can uh, pay in cryptocurrencies. Because uh, it makes it harder to track who, who was uh, paying for this particular server. But the, it really depends on the group of, of operator with, that we're looking for. In general, the state-sponsored uh, group are more careful than the criminal, like the cyber criminal uh, groups. Sometimes the, the the ISP they use is actually part of the fingerprint. So if we if we know that, for example, it's an IP address that's in that belongs to the Amazon AWS cloud, uh, then and and this particular threat actor is known to use this particular cloud service, uh, and and it it matches all the other fingerprints we add, uh, then we are uh, even more confident that. It's part of their infrastructure because sometimes we don't have the malware sample itself. We just know that it it just looks like uh, some uh, server that belongs to, to this threat actor infrastructure. Sometimes this process is not so transparent. There, there some of them do use uh, very difficult to reach uh, <laughs> uh, ISPs or uh, hosting companies that hide behind a lot of uh, other company names and that makes it very difficult for law enforcement to get the actual physical server. Uh, there's quite a few on the internet that, that, that do that. And uh, yeah, yeah. In his talk, Mark Etienne said, don't underestimate the weird things you see on the internet. So I asked him, what was behind that statement? There, there's a few things. So whenever you scan the internet, be prepared to receive any kind of data or experience any kind of network 
weirdness uh, happening. For example, when we scanned for Cobalos, which is the, the example I used in the presentation, um, there's a lot of uh, SSH server implementation that's single-threaded. So you basically connect once to it, and even if you disconnect and try to connect again, it, it won't work because probably on the the device itself, there, there's still some kind of active connection and it doesn't support having multiple connection at once. Those are one of the problems we had when we scanned for Kabbalos because we had to connect twice to a device. So the lack of multiple connections on a device was surprising? Uh, the other things you encounter is there's a, a few servers that tries to exploit vulnerabilities in scanners itself, like Shodan and Census, for example, as in you know a web page HTML web page output of the result. So some of them try to inject JavaScript or HTML in any of the available fields in the for example, an HTTP response. So you, you get those kind of devices. We don't display ours in <laughs> HTML pages, so it's not a problem for us. But if you want to display uh, the results in an HTML page, make sure that uh, you actually escape the, the, all the characters properly. And unlike Census and Shodan, Mark Etienne's scanner doesn't have to display the results. So he doesn't have to worry about injections on his HTML page. There's also servers that echo back whatever, whatever you send. <laughs> so uh, that was another one. So basically, once we started scanning for, uh, I, I don't quite remember what, what it was exactly, but uh, we were sending something and we were expecting the same thing or something very similar in, in response. And we got all those positive results. And like, we looked at it and you know, actually the server, was, well, the server was just sending back whatever we, we sent before. And then there were academic issues as well. The, uh, all the, the network devices in between, I know, produced some latency in some cases. Uh, we had to, for Cabalos, it relied on the source port of the connection. And for some reason, some devices didn't like the, the, some of the source port that we try to use. So there were quite a few uh, things like that that makes it uh, a little bit harder and, and you have to filter out uh, more of the, the results that you get. So given the success, does Mark Etienne think that other companies will start doing this for themselves in the future? Um, it's certainly useful. Uh, and I have no doubt that other companies can profit from doing their, their own scan as well. Uh, hopefully it will be in a good way. I mean, I mean, we've we've drawn the lines of what we are going to do and what we're not going to do. Hopefully everyone agrees that uh, uh, internet scanning is, is useful, uh, but also very uh, powerful, like perhaps even too much sometimes if you like try to authenticate to different devices or try to um, try to execute commands on the, the malware uh, itself. That could even be illegal in, in, in some cases. Uh, yes, there's a lot of reasons to, to do it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that actually some other security companies do it as well. Yeah. I'd like to thank Mark Etienne for talking about his talk at Sector 2021 in Toronto, Ontario. You can learn more about his research and more about Kabalos on welivesecurity.com. And perhaps as a result of his work and others, we'll start to see other anti-malware researchers begin to scan the internet on a regular basis. Who knows what they'll find next? 
Let's keep the conversation going. DM me at Robert Vimosi on Twitter or join me on Reddit or Discord. The deets are available at hackermind.com. The Hacker Mind is brought to you every two weeks, commercial-free, by For All Secure. For The Hacker Mind, I remain your war-dialing buddy, Robert Vimosi. <laughs>